Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Cast Iron Podcast, baby. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate y'all so much. Thank you, y'all too kind. Y'all know what time it is. It's episode five of the Cast Iron Podcast. And on today's episode, we're going to be doing surf and turf in a completely different way, featuring short rib, mashed potatoes, shrimp, and my personal favorite vegetable, green beans. That's the vibe for today's episode. But first, we're going to be introducing one of our very favorite people on the Cast Iron Podcast. This man is a mentor. He's a good friend of mine. He's someone who inspired me to create Cooking with Pat Lee, and he's just a good brother overall. Our guest today is none other than Chef Tequila Jones. He'll be joining us on the podcast a little bit later. But first, let's go ahead and run through some housekeeping rules. Please go ahead and like, share, and subscribe this podcast. And also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Cooking with Pat Lee. That's Cooking with Pat Lee. Now, surf and turf is such a versatile meal. You can make it with steak, you can make it with chicken, you can make it with beef, whatever you want to make it with, as long as you have some type of seafood in there, at least in my opinion, it's going to pass the vibe check in so many ways. But today we're doing short rib. It's a perfect meat, falls off the bone, and I'm making it with Chef Tequila Jones' special sauce. And by the time this episode is done, I might be done myself if you catch my drift. You know what? We're not going to waste any time. Let's jump right into the recipe. So this is what we're going to do, folks. We're going to start off with our short rib recipe. We're going to take a little commercial break after that. And then we're going to get right into the interview with Chef Tequila Jones. You don't want to miss out. So let's get to the recipe. We're actually going to be making ourselves some beef ribs. These are straight on the bone. I'm going to cut them up and make them into little short ribs. And then after that, we're gonna go ahead and get them nice and seasoned, seared, and slow cooked. Now, during the process of it slow cooking, I'm going to be adding some of my special barbecue sauce. Well, actually, it's not my special barbecue sauce. It's actually the barbecue sauce of our guest and my good friend, Chef Tequila Jones. It's kind of an Asian barbecue blend, but what makes this sauce pretty well Actually, what makes the sauce pretty good is that it's infused. So not only will it have a great flavor from the seasoning and the taste, of course, of the rib, but it's gonna get you feeling nice. So let's go ahead and cut up the rib. Gonna open it out of the packaging first. Now with all meat that I cook, whether it's ground beef, whether it's steak, whether it's short rib, I like to cook it well, rather, I like to leave it out and let it get to room temperature first. And the reason for why I do this is to make sure that when I am searing the meat, it keeps its nice brown sear. It's not a rubbery, you know, boiled looking mess. All right. So I'm just going to cut these down at the bone here. Have my butcher's knife. One nice little cut here. And I'm just taking a look at the outer layers here. I wish you guys could see it, but it's the marbling of the rib. Once that fat cap is nice and seared, it's going to leave a perfectly brown crust on these ribs. The ribs are super easy to cut, super easy to make. Get you 
with a nice little seasoning going on. And I'll go ahead and explain the seasoning in a bit just as soon as I get these nice and cut. Beautiful. Now, as far as a preference goes for ribs, I personally like to eat um, beef ribs. I don't really cook that much pork. Um, just not my thing anymore. I know there's going to be a lot of purists out there like, oh, well, you should eat pork. You know, pork is great. Bacon. Eh, I've been more, lean more towards fish and chicken lately. You know, trying to keep that in my diet, but... From time to time, I'll have a little beef, as you can tell from the ribs, but pork, though, no. Not really my thing. So you won't really find too many recipes on any of my platforms that would include pork. I'm just being honest, that's all. All right. So my short ribs are nice and cut up. I'm going to go ahead and just wash my hands real quick. <clears throat> And also wash this counter space. Today's episode is going to be pretty good. Chef Tequila Jones is going to be in the podcast. And very close friend of mine. He's a mentor. He's somebody that actually supported me from the beginning when I told him that I was doing this culinary journey. So it's going to be nice to, you know, shoot the breeze with him, get to kind of pick his brain a bit, and just have a, you know, you know, a normal conversation. All right. So I am going to go ahead and season my short ribs. And this seasoning includes some kosher salt, some freshly cracked black pepper, got some garlic powder in here, some onion powder. I have some cayenne pepper, some Spanish paprika. I have a bit of cayenne pepper, a little bit of garlic salt, and some other secret spices, which maybe one day I'll tell you, but, you know, that's just the base of it. I'm going to make sure that all of these ribs are generally, generously seasoned with the rub. And make sure every piece gets nicely coated. And just, I love the cuts in these ribs too. Like I can't wait for them to cook, to sear. Especially when I plate them. Got some palm puree going with these ribs too and some roasted vegetables. And for those of you asking what palm puree is, it's a special technique that the French use to make mashed potatoes. Normally, if you mash your potatoes, you use a potato masher. You kind of stir in the butter, salt, pepper, and milk, or heavy cream, depending on your liking. And it's still a good mashed potato, but it can be a little lumpy. You know, it's kind of rough around the edges. Palm puree smoothens the potato. Like, you get a nice, creamy, you know, just like it says in the word, puree texture. So your potatoes are smoother, they're creamier. They kind of melt in your mouth a bit. Ribs 
are nice and seasoned. And I'm just going to go ahead and rub all of that seasoning into the rib. And then I'm just going to let that sit for about 5 or 10 minutes to allow the seasoning to marinate into the rib and also let it continue getting to room temperature. So we're going to go ahead and get our short ribs nice and seared. We've already got it seasoned, brought to room temperature. Now it's going to make this recipe a little bit different from when I normally do my cooking is that I'm using my roasting tray. Now the roasting tray will allow me to have a nice perfect caramelization on the short rib. I get to cook all the pieces evenly and then right as it's done um, searing, I can throw it right in that hot oven to finish the cooking process and get a nice perfect fall to the bone tender rib. All right, so first thing is I'm gonna go ahead and set my temperature in the oven to about 330 degrees Fahrenheit, which is about 170 to 180 degrees Celsius. Gonna get my front burner cut on. I'm gonna place my roasting tray on the stove. that roasting tray starts to smoke up a bit, I'm going to be adding a combination of high point, a high smoke point grapeseed oil and some olive oil. The olive oil will help to give it the flavor it needs while it's searing, and the grapeseed oil will help to give it that nice, perfectly brown sear. Oh, this is going to be a wonderful meal. I can't wait to dive into it. Now, the great thing about this recipe is that, you know, there's so many flavors that can, you know, go along with this. It's It's got um, red wine. It's got tomato puree. It's got the seasoning of the dry rub. Like, everything is going to make the short rib come out perfect. All right. It's time to go ahead and get our short rib prepared. So, we're going to go ahead, put our oil in the pan. got two types of oil in here. I've got my grapeseed oil, which is going to help with the sear. And then I have my olive oil, which is going to help olive oil, which is going to help with the flavor. All right. We're going to put these meat side down. Y'all can hear that nice, beautiful sear getting started. I'm going to go ahead and spread these ribs out evenly across the roasting, uh, roasting pan. And again, once this is done searing, it's just going to go right into the hot oven and continue the process of cooking. A nice little date night meal I got going on for us. You don't want to move it around too much. You want to be able to make sure that all of the ribs gets nice and seared. 
get that perfect brown caramelization. Let's add the last one. I'm going to let it cook. Now, while I'm letting that cook, let's wash my hands real quick. I'm going to take, probably, yeah, I'll do four. We're taking four bulbs of garlic, right? And we're going to cut them in half. And what's going to happen is right as it's starting to roast, I'm going to put those bulbs into the roasting tray. And then we're going to go ahead and pour our stock on top of that. And then once we pour our stock on top of that, then we'll be able to infuse that garlic into our short rib. Oh, man, it smells incredible in here. Like, I kid you not. This Sunday dinner, Sunday dinner at its finest. I'm loving it. All right, so we're going to go ahead and just check one of the ribs just to make sure that it's able to reach that level of sear that I were looking that we're looking for. Not yet, not yet. We're almost there. Almost there. Come on. You want that beautiful brown. Love a beautiful brown. Trust me. Go ahead. Give that garlic a nice little chop. That's perfect. Then do two more. half, that's fine the way it is. Not even worried about it. Mm. Lovely. Alright, so I can go ahead and turn these short ribs over now. They should be nice and seared. Yep, look at that. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And the great thing about cooking on this roasting tray is that all of that flavor that's stuck to the pan, we're going to reduce off with some of this red wine, some of the chicken, well, I'm doing beef stock, actually, some of the beef stock. Chicken stock is fine, but for maximum flavor, you definitely want to do beef stock. And all that flavor is just going to come right off. Look at that. Digging it. Okay. Now we're gonna go ahead and pour some of this red wine on top. Careful now, you may hear a little bit of the fan in the background, but it's just to get some of the smoke out. Yeah, the ventilation in here isn't that great, so I have to kind of cut the fan on to avoid the house from smoking up and the, <laughs> excuse me, smoke detectors from going off. But it's whatever. 
give it a couple more minutes. All right. Now, while I'm getting my beef stock ready, there's a couple of things that I want to go ahead and do. So that chopped up whole piece of the garlic. I'm just going to go ahead and get some of this excess paper off. If some of it stays on, that's fine because this is just going to go into the pan and help to add to some of that flavor. I'm going to kind of piece that around some of those pieces of meat. I know that's a lot of piecing, but y'all get what I'm trying to say. Don't worry about it. Y'all get the gist. All right. Perfectly placed garlic going into the crevices of these ribs to help add to the flavor. All right. Next up, we're going to go ahead and add our beef stock. Yes. This is going to be one hell of a rib. I am telling y'all, I plays no games in the kitchen. No games whatsoever. All right. So, got my stock properly placed into my oven. I'm sorry, placed in my roasting tray. Got my garlic. The next thing that we want to go ahead and add, let me cut this off. It's not as smoky in here anymore, so to cut that off. And I apologize again for all that background noise. I wanted to make sure that, you know, you didn't hear any beeping from the fire alarm because of all the smoke in here. All right. So the next thing that I'm going to go ahead and add is my tomato puree. Now, or tomato paste, if you want to get fancy and whatnot. Actually, no, tomato puree is actually the fancier version. Anyway, you want to add this right after you add the red wine and the broth. And this way, all, all the flavors get to kind of mix together as opposed to just adding it directly to your rib. And then you get kind of a tart kind of tomato tasting rib. That's not the vibe we're going for. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and add that puree. It's going to come out so lovely. Loving it. And just kind of mix all of that into your broth. Now, what's going to happen as this starts to cook down is that the puree is going to melt into the broth, creating this robust flavor, you know, from the red wine, the garlic, the already seasoned ribs, and it's just going to be this incredible, incredible uh, depth of flavor that's going to go great on top of these pureed potatoes and these vegetables. Loving cooking this. Like, I've always said, you know, I wanted to be able to be the one in my family that gets together everybody for Sunday dinners. And because of this pandemic, it's been kind of challenging to do that. But for my, you know, family here, my kids, my um, soon to be wife, 
I enjoy, you know, doing all the cooking in the house. It's something that brings me great joy. It brings me a lot of peace and a lot of comfort just knowing that I'm taking care of my family, you know, and more than just being a provider, you know, financially and physically, but also with food. It makes you feel as if I am leading in that space. All right, so I've got my broth going. It smells great in here with the broth, with the garlic, with that beef stock. The last thing that I'm going to add to add some more flavor to this pan, I'm going to go ahead and just add a few bay leaves. Excellent. Then gonna add a few sprigs of thyme. This will help to add even more flavor to this already flavorful dish. Yep, just gonna bury that in there. Perfect. All right. So here's the fun part. We're going to put this in the oven and let it cook the rest of the way for about two hours. So the next thing that I have to do, and I have to make sure that I'm doing this very carefully uh, to not burn my hand. I'm going to wrap it in foil. And this way kind of helps those ribs to sweat a bit. And add on to the heat and also add on to the fall off the bone method. All right. Got our foil on. We're almost there. Just maybe one or two more pieces to ensure that it's completely covered. Perfect. Let me get my oven mitts ready. Now, during this entire time that I'm putting the foil foil on, I'm keeping the stove on just to make sure that the roasting tray is still hot. So whenever it actually goes into the oven, the heating process is continuing and it's actually cooking it a little bit faster, I would say, but probably not the term for that, but whatever. All right, oven at 330 degrees. I can cut the stove off. And we're gonna go ahead and put our roasting tray in the oven. And we're gonna cook that for about two hours. And I'm not gonna keep y'all on for two hours. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break right now. When we come back, we're going to have our interview with the one and only Mr. Tequila Jones. And then after that interview, we'll go ahead and continue with the conclusion of his, well, actually my um, short rib recipe with his barbecue sauce. So you don't want to miss out on this. You are tuned into the Cast Iron Podcast with your truly Chef Pat Lee. And we will be right back. 
Hello all you podcast listeners out there. Hope you're enjoying the Cast Iron Podcast with the amazing chef Patrick Lee. Afterwards, make sure to also tune in to his other podcast, War Wrestling Alliance Radio, the ever-evolving podcast discussing the wrestling topics you want to hear. With myself, Robert Paradox, co-host Rim Rock, Duck Goes Bang, and Pat Lee himself. Tune in for a great time. All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to episode five of the Cast Iron Podcast with your host, Chef Pat Lee. Now, they say that everything is bigger in Texas, and my next guest is doing just that, doing it big in the catering world. If you're ever in Texas and need a caterer for your next event, check out tasteatequilajones.com for all of your culinary needs. The link to the website will be placed in the description. Without further ado, I want to give a warm welcome, friends and family, to the one and only Mr. Tequila Jones. Welcome to the podcast, brother. Thank you, bro. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Love man, what you're doing. Love I appreciate what you're doing. That, man. I mean, you're one of the inspirations for why I'm doing this, man. I mean, we met, you know, just last year. And since then, we kind of built this friendship and this bond. And, you know, I kind of see you not only as a a brother but like a mentor as well so thank you so much for blessing the podcast and i appreciate it it was my pleasure uh actually the funny thing is uh you guys were my inspiration i really was uh i was serious when i would tell you guys uh, you know i wish that i could have had my coming out at least 10 years ago mm-hmm. um you know seeing you guys doing it and taking to another level and believe your business sense and everything it i mean it just does me joy and all the while uh you're fathering and so that's why i always had an eye on you because it was like yeah he's doing this putting this together and he's fathering as well I'm not gonna put your business but you uh, um, you've had some challenges in your fathering i could tell yeah, it's been a yeah. it's definitely been a rough road for lack of a better term. But like with anything in life, fire. there's always a there's always a silver line at the end of the tunnel. And thankfully, you know, that road has passed and things are better now. Yeah. Hey, man. But thank you for having me here, man. It's no, just, no doubt. Cool. It's cool. Well, for the people so out there who uh, don't know who you are, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, what got you into cooking? You know where you're at, what makes, you know, what makes you, uh, Chef Jones who he is? Um, okay, so I'm just, I'm really just your normal country boy. Um, country roots, um, talk about country, rice field country, country, you can see miles and not see nothing country. Um, <laughs> And even out there, we had the projects, believe it or not. So, um, El Capo, Texas, had the projects, new or old, but um, raised off of Big Mama's Loving, uh, meaning I grew up seeing cooking and food used to men to bring people together. Uh, I know it may sound cliche, but that's just, that's the way I was I was raised that way, but I never went to the kitchen. I wasn't a kitchen guy. Uh, I knew what they were doing, but, you know, boys were outside and women were in the kitchen. I mean, it's just that right. old Southern draw. And so, but fast forward, that just laid dormant, did other things. And um, 
went through a real bad divorce. And at that time, I was just doing meal preps. But then I just started doing different things with chicken. Just just started with chicken, mm-hmm. doing different things with chicken. Okay, then now I'm doing different things with steak. Oh, okay. Did my first brisket. Oh, okay. Let's do another one just to make sure it wasn't a fluke. Okay, so I'm starting to learn time patience with food. Um, mm-hmm. But <sighs> cooking is something that's always been in our family. And it just found its way out of me. Growing up, projects, hood, Trinity Garden, and all of that here in Houston, I was used to just working with sides, condiments, bread and condiments, <laughs> bread and sides. Yeah. Meat was optional. Um, there were times when I would steal Vienna sausages and potted meat because I didn't know if I was going to eat that night. That's how bad it was. Um, but whatever you had, I just learned how to cook it, how to fry it. Um, and it just stood there. It just, it just stood there. It had to have stood there inside me because I didn't, I didn't do anything cook related. Like I said, went through the divorce and then from milk prepping, I just started cooking. And then for some reason, something turned on in, in, inside of me. And the fellows that I worked with worked on a night shift, six to six. Um, great group of guys. I just started cooking stuff and just bringing it to them. Just the hurt that I was going through, seeing them enjoy my food was getting me past that. And it just became a habit. Desserts, boom, boom. Just food, meats, pastas, whatever. Just bringing it. And um then these guys, they just said, hey, you ever heard of the bung appetite? So we have this big 85-inch in the office, and it's just up on the wall, boom, bung appetite. Binge watch bung appetite. And it blew my mind. Bung appetite just blew my mind because I had no clue. I had no clue of what you can do with a creative mind in the culinary arts and infuse it with cannabis. So I jumped on it. And I jumped on it at its basic level, basic with uh, desserts and basic with foods. Your fried foods, your sandwiches, anything you can put butter on. We're not talking about sauces or anything. We're talking about um, just just a little butter here, wheat there, you know, fry fry some eggs and some butter. Uh, just real lower than basic stuff. Just doing that, but that pushing it beyond basic, pushing my limits. It started getting the wheel turning for the, okay, I know my food is good. How do I make it look good? And I thought I wanted to go to culinary school. 
But then I talked to people that went to culinary school and the debt they incurred. And I'm just going to say this, honestly, their skill set, their, their current skill set for the debt they incurred mm-hmm. just didn't line up. That wasn't mathematical. So I said, okay, honestly, just to sharpen my skills, I started with photos, I started toying around with placing. Um, placing and then from placing, you want to know backdrops and then from backdrops, you're just, my mind, while I'm thinking about backdrops, I'm kind of looking at your wine so i'm playing with the whole scenery it's just one blurry dance until it comes together um and well let me side note i love looking at your plating pad like i remember like people man look i could get i was like people understand when a man is this enthusiastic about making something happen like this he's gonna find a way I remember your first plates had, and then from your first plates, you're doing your sauces, and then you had your plating, then you had the backdrop, then your photography sharpened up. Man, watching you um, metamorphosize, and then I'm like, okay, see you on TikTok, all right. While I'm thinking about doing one TikTok, I think you didn't already... I think you cooked out at least a dozen. Yeah. Like, oh shit, how does he do this? And so I was like, you know what? What people don't um you can teach teach a new uh, old dog new tricks. So sitting back and just watching you do what you do, I've been able to learn one that I just don't have the TikTok thing right now. It's just not my lane. And two. Kill them with a smile, kill them with confidence, and make sure that the food is good. And I'm just watching you killing it. So I know I got long-winded, but you, bro, you, I mean, kudos to you. Kudos to you because you're the reason why some of us are out here just sharing, sharing the in-betweens. The books are always going to tell you everything but it's always in the in-betweens that's where a lot of meat is but kudos to you man i appreciate uh appreciate what you're out here and the sample the examples that you're out here and the things that you stand for as a man so i don't want that to get lost in this podcast um i testify i fucks with you because you are a good man um you've been a straight up man since I met you, man of your word, you ask it, you ask it, you do it, you do it. So I'm not going to let that part of you get lost in the podcast. I said it right here. If you don't know this man, meet this man. Um, and if you sideways with this man, shame on you. Brother, I, I definitely do appreciate it. And, you know, I don't want to put too much attention on me because this is your interview. This is all about you. But I do want to say thank you for those kind words. And even like kind of segue, even in kind of like going into that direction, like that's one of the reasons why I initially came up with this podcast 
because even when I first started to to dive into my passion into cooking, I noticed that, and I'll try to be as politically correct as possible, but a lot of the chefs that I saw on television, on social media, they didn't look like us. There's a lot of people who right. get notoriety for cooking French cuisine. And while I'm not here to knock any culture's cuisine, I've always felt as if European and French cuisine was the standard in the culinary world. But it's like there's so many other cultures out there. There's African culture, there's Mexican culture, yeah. there's Asian culture. And a lot of these food shows and food networks only highlight that on their platforms. But a lot of us who didn't grow up with, you know, French cuisine, we grew up on soul food. We grew up on what we had in the kitchen and we were creative with it. And yes. to have our food be told that it's not good enough for those platforms, it's like, well, who are you to tell me that my food isn't good? And I knew other people felt that way, too. So I thought, what if I gave those people a platform to showcase their talents or to get their names out there? Or what if I did something that could potentially be the next Food Network, but a more diverse way of showing people's food? And so that's kind of how the podcast came about. And, you know, if anyone else is listening out there and if you know anybody who's an up and coming chef or even if you're somebody who, you know, just picked up a pot in the pan for the first time and you're looking to cook, yes. you're always welcome on this show because I want to give you the confidence to follow your dreams in the kitchen and to start that catering company or make that very first TikTok, you know, because... I too, you know, I had my issues with TikTok at, at the beginning. I thought it was just a silly app for dances and trends. And then I happened to stumble across this um this young man. He was actually on the last podcast we did, Deron the Chef, and he did a video for a Wendy's Baconator. And it got me to thinking, okay, well, maybe I should put my content on TikTok. And then it started with one Thanksgiving video, and then it started with the poached egg. And, you know, now I'm getting endorsement deals and sponsorships and I got, you know, celebrities out there, you know, eyeballing me. But, you know, like I said, like I wanted to create that platform so that way other people can get those opportunities, too. So, you know, thank you so much for being on the show. You know, we definitely have a lot to talk about. Um, and that was, you know, that was definitely a great insight to how you got into cooking because I always love hearing those stories from people about how they grew up in certain conditions or how they grew up in certain times. And, you know, like a lot of us, you don't really have much, but you can make what you have work and make it magic. See, the there's a book I'm going to share with you, but growing up, when you've had most of the, the sides and the condiments, you're your your palate mm. it's not conditioned so when you haven't come from that your palate is still fresh so you don't you're not you just it's like the seven uh the seven stars it's based on a specific taste to them you see what i'm saying mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. The difference between a seven-star steak and a one-star steak simply can just be traced down to upbringing. Same fantastic steak, 
but your seven stars doesn't necessarily, you know, dismiss what you would consider my a one because it's just based on perspective. And I segue that from when you mentioned our culture, you know, we're out here and we're doing it and we got the answers for your taste buds. Don't diminish us because of where we've come from. Just wanted to drop that in there. Thanks. You know, thank you definitely for sharing that for real. So yeah, I don't even know what to say, man. Like I, it's just, it's just been such a crazy journey just to think how, I don't know if, you know, I'm, I'm speaking for you, but you know, I think I kind of am, but like a year ago, a lot of us, you know, before this pandemic even hit really didn't have an idea on what direction we wanted to take our lives, let alone careers. And it's yeah. like a whole year later, you know, you've got this catering business going on. You have an actual website up. You're getting orders out the wazoo. Like this podcast is even a thing. Like, would you have thought if this were if someone were to tell you a year ago that, you know, you'd be having your own catering company or we'd even be having this interview? Would you believe them? No, um, not at all. If I hadn't went to Colorado, if I hadn't watched the Bong season and went to Colorado, because that's my first trip to my Colorado, we went down there, pen and pad, took notes. But when I came back, I thought this is possible because I'm seeing us do it. And I put all my eggs in one basket. I said, hey, my child's $4,600. If I can, if I can cut half of that in sales, Okay, cool. And then it grew from there. Started with edibles. And then I was like, you know what? I could really cook. Then we started morphing it that way. But no, a year ago, I didn't even have the vision. The guys that I worked with, I'm a, I'm older cat. The guys that I worked with, I found out about Instagram through them. They were like, hey, put your stuff on Instagram. Came back from Easter holiday that weekend. I was like, hey, I looked at it and boom. Then they started putting it out there and reposting. And I, that's when I learned about reposting. And now, okay, cool. This is how this is formulated. So, no, not, I didn't have the vision for it. I, I didn't have examples of us doing their own business coming up as i got older i was like okay i see people doing it and i'm picking it up because i have a gift but i don't really know what to do with it so once the vision got in there and i put the ace in the basket and i said when i got back from colorado i said uh failure is not an option with this and I just stuck with that. So as a chef, and this kind of segues to my next question too, I'm pretty sure there are moments where you feel as if I have no idea what to make and you kind of get those creative <laughs> writing blocks. Like, how do you overcome that? I work backwards and I say, hmm. what do I want to add to this vegetable? Okay, I know I want this vegetable. What do I want to add to this vegetable? Instead of I'm going to do steak. What am I going to put around it? I'll simply go, you know what? I'm feeling some kale. What do I want around that? 
and that uh, at least will get me in another direction of thinking I may come up with a totally different dish. Normally I do come up with a totally different dish altogether. Mm-hmm. But if you work from the back, even if you want to work from the sauce, let's say, okay, you know what? I do have a sauce that I've been wanting to try. What can I put with that? And then it'll get your mind. And then you'll start catching that stuff. You may not use, you'll come up with so many different ideas. You may not use that one, but then you'll be like, damn, just off of thinking about this one sauce, boom. You got 10 different dishes. So find something else to unblock. Just find something else to focus on in the in the dish and work from that angle. Well, I'm just that's what works for me. It's an interesting take on it. I I would have never thought of that. Like usually I'll take myself for an example. If I ever get stuck at a point where I can't figure out what to make, I try to make a different version of it. Like case in point, uh, chicken is probably my favorite meat to eat. I feel like you can do pretty much anything with chicken, but there's only but so many times you can fry chicken, for example. But then I think to myself, well, what could I do to enhance that particular fried chicken dish? Like, can I make a fried chicken sandwich? Okay, done chicken sandwiches before. What could I do to make it like, let's say I can make an infused fried chicken sandwich or if I have, let's say seafood. Seafood you can do a ton of things with, but then what options do you have? Like for me, I don't eat a lot of seafood. I mostly stick to like the crab, shrimp, you know, that type of stuff. But can I, and this is also going to segue to my next question too. Can I take something that I've never had before, like oysters, and kind of do a dish with that? And not only would it be something new to try, but it'll be something new to make. And in that sense, I kill two birds with one stone. And that kind of leads to my next question too, because... As someone who's just started being a chef, but who's, you know, kind of eaten pretty much all the food that's not all the food that's out there, but had a different taste here or there for different things to eat. There are certain foods that I honestly can say I've never tried before and just recently, recently got into like oysters, for example. How do you as a chef kind of train your palate to accept eating different types of foods or get used to eating foods or drinks or, you know, seasonings or for that matter that you've never tried before, but you have to kind of develop a taste for it. What I do, I really read up on, I see how I'm, everything is a mood thing with me as far as food. Um, it could be the season. It could be just a month, celebrations, home goings, just whatever. I just do all my check downs. How am I feeling? Um, it could be Milwaukee wine, Giannis. Okay. I'm already, I can look at Giannis and be like, okay, so I'm digging their salads already. I'm already into Mediterranean. Mediterranean. So let me study the seasonings. And once I start tracking seasonings, that leads 
that normally leads me to in a trail of trying out new things. Um, I read up on what seasonings do to your palate, how they make you feel, what they do to food. Do they make it dull? Do they make it live? Is it zesty? If you follow, that it's just me. I follow the seasons, follow the herbs, follow the spices. Um, and for all you people that don't like cilantro, there's something wrong with you. Thank you. Us. Thank you. Been wanting somebody to say that for the longest. Cilantro is amazing. But go on, go on, go on. Didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. It's the way I view food. It's, I just think it's unorthodox because I try to find somebody that kind of just, the well, not like me, but I do like the weird ones. And that's why I give you. It's just the different unorthodox ways of approaching it. I just, being poor just taught me to approach food from the other side and not the main dish. So that's where seasoning my my bat um my faults one of my biggest faults i'm not gonna lie i don't i don't use all seasoning and sometimes i can't even recall them all mm -hmm. sometimes it's just instinct and i've just gotten the right messed up now more but seasonings, trying trying new foods, try it from a seasoning spice. Come in from that back end, from the element. Uh, ginger, ginger's in Jamaica. That's in jerk. But go to the other places where ginger is. Um. Um. Shallots. Oh. Uh, man, shallots are underrated, man. If you never had a yeah. shallot before, it it's an onion basically, but it's it's using a lot more recipes than onions would would use. Like if you're making a risotto, or I like to put it in a lot of Cajun dishes because I feel like it has a better sweetness and taste than a traditional onion. Uh, shallot to me, I'm just. You know, you have to beef it out. Well, I'm, I can say it clean. Go right uh, in. Say, say how you like want to say a, it. Well, every time I see a shallot, I know it's like an onion fucked the garlic. Because <laughs> of the sprout? Like, I, I get the best of, it's the best of both worlds. Like, sometimes if I have, I don't even do the other two. Because yeah. I know how I can make this work and stuff. I love those things. But look at all the dishes that, I mean, just... Just find, just get in some of these little holes. Just, just go down some of these holes and get, just just follow it through, and you'll be surprised. Um, I just my new my rabbit hole right now is everything that I can do with acids, vinegar, rice wine, rice mm. wine vinegar. The things that I found out that I can do with different tastes and stuff like that. Just blow my fucking mind. Yeah. Um, but that's and that just leads me to from Korean um, to 
let's see, it was Korean, and it was that, that Greek thing going on over there. Um, had some Caribbean stuff, and then made it all the way back over to some um, to New Orleans type, some Cajun food. And I said, okay, I'm gonna do the same run and just add a little acid to the taste. Stupid amazing to the flavor. But we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that because this book isn't just no bullshit, it's an audio, you'll love it. Um, but that's that's it. Grab something you like, get on a citrus train, get on a lemon train, get on a pineapple train. And it will run you into different cultures. Like it's just not not um, citrus is not only from Caribbean. It's everywhere. Now we're gonna talk a little more, you know, over the next few minutes or so um, about catering business, about you know the edibles, the infused food. I want to start first with, you know, the catering business. You know, how's that going along for you? How are you doing, you know, success wise? Um, you know, how's how's the business going? It's nice. It's fun. The only drawback uh that I would say is I don't the lane that I'm in um to know me and to do my catering, my catering is fully, <laughs> fully discreet, mm-hmm. fully discreet. So it's hard and I'm having to go into production and do my own little mock stage uh, events. Don't ask me why I didn't think about that before because I'm so tired from doing catering business. But it's, it's awesome. It's sustaining. It's it's some it's enough it's really enough for us to sustain if you can literally run just a nice catering business and sustain you really can uh and being that that's a part of it it's it's been a blessing um growing you know looking at other shelves you know, talking to other chefs, the ups and the downs, you know, with everything. This is just, it's cliche with everything. You're going to be excited. You're going to have these expectations. And then you're just going to have to tell yourself to stay with it. Because it's not going to be all the bells and whistles right away. But all it takes is you treat every, treat every situation like a blessed quarter in the slot machine. Um, Somebody will see you. Somebody will taste your food. Somebody will refer you. And the rest will be history. My first break was a puff and paint. Uh, Got the idea from um, from one of our colleagues, uh, Miss Moore. Met her on Instagram before I even came to Facebook. It's another thing. I was on Instagram for a year before I even thought about Facebook. Mm-hmm. But 
did puff and paint and that got me over my two things fear of catering and hosting at the same time um so after that you just watch people do it and you put yourself in a position to um stretch yourself know your limits but it's you can so many so many if you want to do a truck a trailer but private events is for my stress level and for my 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 corner of peace in the world private events uh private cannabis infused events are very sustainable for me i'm happy there uh the culture the people the vibes are fucking awesome not to say i don't do uninfused but um i just my niche is infused and i love stretching palettes out beyond giving everybody especially us an opportunity to have that stake 48 uh moment um down here that's part, i mean i'm not knocking but yeah yeah they're good <laughs> Perry's. they're good i mean yeah. I'm not gonna knock them. They're good, um, and, but you know, Pat. You know, you know. Once you start doing it, you, you kind of. I'm gonna say it for you. You change. Look, yeah. once you start cooking, what these motherfuckers are cooking out here, you change, and you just—it's not the same no more. It's just like, oh, okay. You right. You all right. So we were just talking about your catering. Now, as far as your catering goes, um, what are your limitations? Are you sticking strictly to Tex the Texas area? Are you looking to travel and take bookings? No, I travel. Uh, I've been asked to come um, come to certain places in the U.S. Um, mostly around uh, the southern uh, the southeast coast but yeah it's uh i want to say it's I don't, I don't it's just become fun and easy let me say that it's become fun and easy just being able to um have it together in your mind me so close. Um, shout out to Jessica with that one. Yes, yes, yes. Me so close. Um, that's less than its own. Just being organized and knowing, you know, hey, I can go here. Hey, what's your stores? Shop the area. Do your research. Go. Boom. Plan. Put it together. Lay it out. Um, and it doesn't have to be stressful. Now, I'm going to be honest. I love staying near home and doing it. That's just me. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's okay. Um, if you have time, if you have time to make some time, you know, when you go to different places, then it makes it a little bit more fun. But to me, it's just, um, 
the it's just a longer it's just longer in the logistics. But when it's at home, when it's here, and just I love everybody the same, but my home, my folks, uh, it's just when I can put a smile on their faces with the food, just a little bit more. So I'm a homer. But I will travel and I, you can book me. Uh, love to do it. Now, what kind of events, uh, what would you say has been your favorite event to cater so far? Card parties. Card parties. Card parties. Um, I grew up on cards, spades in particular. Mm-hmm. So that became my niche. It started with just puffing paints and vibe, but card parties, um, it gives you a chance, or it has given me a chance to just be myself and what I like. I can, I control the narrative in the menu because people are coming for the cards regardless, and the food and the vibe is there. So it gives me, you know, I do I always do a two plus three, two staples and a rotation of new new things that I've tried and bring in. Um, different drinks, different cocktails, the car party, man, <laughs> the car parties and they're safe. We don't gamble, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but yeah, car party, man. Where are you a space player? I am. And I'm not like at the risk of getting my black car stolen. I only learned how to play spades like maybe two, three years ago. But I had to learn the old-fashioned way. You just get thrown into a game. You get asked, you know how to play spades. Ooh. You get yelled at a few times for messing up books, but you but you watch. You watch until you get better. We've all been there. <laughs> We've all been That's there. how you get bought in. But you, the number one way to secure your black card is just to admit that you don't know how to play card. If you want to lose it, jump in the game like you know how to play. Yeah. But no, you're good. Um, I can't wait till we start uh, getting this, getting these tours together where we all get to uh, see each other in action. Because I'm going to be honest with you, somewhere in the mix, I thought you were from Chicago, and I'm looking at your backdrops. Like, that man, very cold. But I know it's cold like that in Chicago. Then you hit me with a Delaware. I was like, this man, I said, this man can do it in Delaware. I have no excuses here. And the funny thing is, and now that you kind of mentioned that, that actually, and shout out to Delaware, by the way, this isn't a knock on Delaware at all, but I moved from New York to Delaware initially to provide like a better life for my son and for my family. But, you know, that's another story for another day. But when I moved to Delaware from New York, I knew that I was trading in the excitement of the city, like to kind of come to a more quieter, for lack of a better term, safer uh, state. But I also knew that Delaware was a much smaller footprint than New York was, which to me kind of gave me the belief that, all right, well, maybe I could take my New York attitude and bring it to Delaware in the corporate world. 
And when that didn't exactly work out like I wanted it to, I thought to myself, well, I have all these talents and skills. Why am I not putting it to good use for something that I want to do? And for those of you who haven't been to Delaware before, and especially for those of y'all who are from here, we know that there's not a lot of restaurants out here that are like minority owned or there's not really that many mom and pop shops around here. It's mostly just like chain restaurants like McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, Wendy's, that type really? of thing. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Like almost every part of Delaware is basically a Wawa. And then you have like a little strip mall or a mini mall. They do have their you know, smaller restaurants, don't get me wrong. But compared to most of the places like Texas or New Orleans or New York, you don't get a lot of mom and pop spots. And gotcha. A year ago, when I first started diving into like the culinary space, I started out by doing brunches. I would do infused brunches. So I would have like, you know, my breakfast sandwiches. I'd have my French toast. And that kind of got people seeing that I could cook. But then I knew I could do more than just that. So that's when I started building the confidence to, you know, showing off, you know, my fried chicken and showing off my lasagnas. But I knew that I could do more than that. And then I started to study cookbooks. I started watching MasterChef. I started, you know, learning different techniques from YouTube from some of my other fellow chefs. And I kind of put that into what it is now. And then I had that mentality that I'm doing all this in a state that if you told anybody you were from Delaware, the only thing that they would say is, oh, that's where uh, President Biden is from. And I want people to say when they say Delaware, they go, oh, that's where Chef Pat Lee is from, because I'm building that footprint and building that um, fan base to where people are actually knowing my TikToks and knowing about the podcast and my Instagram page just from a random, you know, meet up in the street. And I want that to, you know, not just be. A thing for me but everybody that's you know within our network everybody who's killing it you know with you with the culinary um jessica for example with beyond desserts yeah. catering like i want all of us to just you know just grab what's grab what's ours you know it's out there for us and it's it's it, i reiterate it's um it's gentlemen like yourselves people like yourself with the vision because um, as long as you can see it, you can do it. You right. can reach out and grab it. And I'm just a simple testimony that it's not even really, it's never too late. I just knew that I had a gift to make whatever, whatever somebody else made, I could say, oh, okay, this is how you make it. Boom, there it is. I just, for a long time, I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know the purpose of dicing and julietting, if you want to call it. Um, purpose for this and purpose for that. I could just, I just had a gift to cook with anybody else. I can recreate any dish. It's just, but then I had to learn what I was doing. And I just took it, I just found a lane. So my lane became, if you will, 
a Southern Asian hood. Mm. And then when I learned how to broaden out the palate with little tricks with, with sugar, salts, and acids, I was like, oh shit. Then I just started refining. It took the hood off. Brought it back. I now I just call it home. And I grew up and moving around as a kid. I grew up with Vietnamese uh, kids, Mexican kids. And so that's where I'm getting that from at an early age. Those are the cultures that I'm getting at an early age. Down here. But because I'm in the country, people expect this. They don't understand why I cook the way that I cook. Why I prefer to cook certain foods that are not all southern. Mm-hmm. I love steak. Now, don't get me wrong. Steak is my crack. I will never, ever, ever, ever abandon steak sometimes. Man, don't get me started there. Fight over steak, man. Boy, here. And everybody, anybody listening to this, you can do a steak. And it's your patience and your comprehension. You can do steak. If you have 30 minutes to watch somebody do a steak, you can do a steak. Um, And the quality of steak is really what separates what, you know, what you get at Chili's versus what you get, I guess, if you want to say strawberry or something like that. It's just a quality of steak, but still, if you work it right, you can have your fantastic steak, folks. Don't be fooled. You can do a steak. Just my experience talking to people. They don't want to make a steak that's like cooked on the outside, but like raw on the inside. Like, of course, there's techniques that you can do to make a perfect steak. You could baste it. You could sous vide it. You could. um, So many, so many things you could do with the steak. Like you could reverse sear it. But no matter what technique you do, you just have to make sure that you give it the respect that it deserves, like leaving it out for room temperature to get that perfect sear or making sure that after you cook it, you let it rest for a bit. So this way the steak can continue cooking evenly. But, you know, as long as you take at least one or two techniques from the steak, you'll always make a perfect steak no matter what. Like, I can honestly say, you know, no bull, all bullshit aside, I can say, Pat, I don't know what the fuck that, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I really don't. No bullshit. Because that's not how my mind works when it comes to food. Mm-hmm. What I miss about 24-hour Walmart is around 3 o'clock, 3.30. Mm-hmm. When I go in there, I'm at the corner of the produce and I have that whole section to myself and it's quiet. And I scan the produce, fruits, vegetables. I can look over the breads are over there. And then it just starts coming. 
Remember we were just talking about the shooter, the real Mac shooter? Yeah. I don't know if somebody else has already done that. All I know is I thought about that today. It formulated a thought today. So when I say sometimes I don't know what the fuck that I'm doing, and people that's the closest to me, they understand. Because if you're sitting next to me, you may think I'm mumbling, or you may think I'm on the phone, or you may think I'm reciting a whole menu that I already wrote down somewhere. Mm-hmm. No, I come up with it on the fly and I just cook it on the fly. Um, and then doing it backwards, then I learn or realize what I made. Any last words for anybody? I'm sorry, go on. That's not that iron sharp as iron. Definitely, definitely. Um, any last words for any upcoming chefs out there? Any words of inspiration? Um, if you think it, put it to the test. Try it. Before you throw away a thought or write it off as dumb or nobody else will understand the taste or whatever, try it first. Try that recipe first. Try that taste. Put that brown sugar over here. Use that uh, rosemary over there. You know, try it first. That's it. Man, listen, true words couldn't have been spoken, man. Well, folks, um, I want to definitely thank Chef Jones for joining me on today's episode. Please, please, please go check his page out, tastetequilajones.com. The link will be provided in the description of the podcast. Be sure to check out his Instagram page, Treats by La La Land. I'll also post a link in that description as well. My brother, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast, man. It's been a, no, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, for having me. thank you for having me, man. And, and you keep doing this. You keep doing this because, bro, you're the future. And you're going to start uplifting other people to do this. So, bro, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. I appreciate that, man. And when we come right back, we're going to go into our recipe of the week, which is going to be barbecue ribs with Chef Jones's special barbecue sauce. Y'all tune into the Cast Iron Podcast, and we'll be right back. In about two hours, so let's go ahead and take this short rib out of the oven. Get my mitts on. That smells and looks incredible. That sear that I did earlier to kind of get a nice browning on the rib, look at it. It looks amazing. And all of these juices is going to make a nice little jus. I think that's what you call it, jus or sauce. I don't think I pronounced that right, but I'm sure someone will correct me. Let me just go ahead and baste this a little bit. All right, so I made some palm puree earlier, which is just simply a smoother consistency of mashed potato. I made some roasted green beans, and I made a little bit of Cajun shrimp to kind of dress it up. So if you want to see what this looks like, check out my Instagram at Cooking with Pat Lee and my TikTok Cooking with Pat Lee as well. Um, But yeah, I'm going to go ahead and start to plate this. 
So first things first, let me get my handy dandy spoon. Right, got my potatoes nicely plated. Gonna go ahead gently place a green bean on this side and I'll put the rest here. Perfect. Alright, so I got my potatoes, I got my green beans. Let's go ahead and take a piece of this short rib. Oh, that looks lovely. Oh, I can't wait to take a bite into that. Just gonna place this right in between this little puree of potato. Perfect. Don't wanna mess that up. Don't wanna mess that up. Alright. And then the kicker, it's two kickers actually. So I'm gonna go ahead and put a couple of pieces of shrimp. Here, put that on top of that. All right, gonna take a little bit of that gravy, pull the sauce from the rib, drizzle that on top. All right, now because this contains medicated sauce, I didn't wanna have it burn out when I put it on the short ribs, so I'm just gonna drizzle a little bit of top of my short rib. This is my boy Chef Tequila Jones's barbecue sauce. I'll go ahead and put a link in the description if you want to go ahead and check his Instagram page out. That is a perfect pretty plate. I'm going to go ahead and work on this second plate because this is going to be a meal for my fiance and I. We're going to enjoy this as a nice little date night meal. Get a couple of drinks, going to set the mood. It's going to be a vibe, y'all. We got it. All right, y'all. And that is it for episode five. I want to thank Tequila Jones for joining us on this podcast today. Brother, you are always, always welcome back. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And thank each and every one of you for listening and subscribing and sharing my podcast. It means a lot. Till next time, this is Chef Pat Lee saying peace, love, and chicken grease. All right, I'm out. <laughs>